Hello and welcome to Weathering the Storm, a podcast to help us weather the storms of life by sustaining an unwavering faith in God. I'm your host, Drew Suttles, and I welcome you to today's episode, which marks episode 11 of season one. I thank you so much for your encouragement. I thank you for uh, subscribing to this podcast and sharing it and liking it. It means a, a great deal to me. I'm just thankful to God that I'm able to do this in an effort to reach out uh, to those of you who may be struggling, who may be striving to weather the different storms that you face in this life. Of course, right now, it is March 18th, 2020, and right now we're in the midst of an, an epidemic. Of course, I'm referring to the coronavirus that is affecting uh, millions of people. Uh, it is all over the world, and certainly it has made its way to the United States. I know that several uh, may be scared right now, several may be uh, not knowing how to think, how to feel. And so I hope that today's episode will help you in some way to be able to weather the storm uh, of being able to control what we can control. Of course, trusting in God, but also using common sense, using the wisdom that uh, that we can have in this life. And, and of course, God expects us to be smart, to wash our hands, to uh, avoid meeting with uh, huge gatherings of people and things of that nature. But with that being said, I, I do want to let everyone know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the Lord's church. I'm praying for the elders of the Lord's church and the difficult decisions that they are having to make. I'm praying for uh, the elderly. I'm praying for those who are pregnant. And I know my wife is pregnant with twins. Lord willing, uh, she only has a few more weeks to go. She's 33 weeks pregnant this week. So I covet your prayers on our behalf as well. But with that being said, I do want to say I understand that this is very serious. It's certainly not a hoax. This virus is very real and affecting people. And so I hope that you will join me in praying that all this will pass over very soon. In today's episode, we want to discuss the storm of depression as a storm that we face in this life. I'd like to begin by giving a word of thanks to Neil Ritchie. Brother Ritchie is a great gospel preacher, and he has done some great work on this subject. In fact, I listened to one of his sermons on the Christian and depression, and it was so good that I contacted him and, and, and asked his permission to use some of his notes in preparing a sermon myself. And a few weeks ago, I preached it at the Quitman Church of Christ, and uh, it was just uh, his work was so good on that subject. So again, I want to thank Neil Ritchie for his work and, and his kind words and thoughts and, and talking with me about this subject and how we as ministers can uh, reach out to people who are struggling with depression. Uh, in hopes I will be able to provide a link to that sermon. I've reached out to him, and he certainly said that uh, there was no problem in that. So when I share this episode on Facebook and other platforms, I'll do my best to provide a link to the sermon that he preached entitled The Christian and Depression. You know, depression is a real thing. It affects over 10% of the world's population. In fact, more than 3 million people in the United States have been diagnosed with clinical depression. And that's only referring to those who have been diagnosed with it. No telling how many more uh, struggle with this who have suffered with depression for many, many years. A depression is not anxiety, though anxiety often comes with it. Depression is not a joke. And depression is not something to be taken lightly. You know, when we think about depression, 
sometimes we think that Christians are immune to it, but that's not the case. In fact, we know that the whole purpose of this podcast is to reach out uh, to those who are Christians, who are struggling, because we as Christians are not immune to the sufferings of this life. Those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's what we find in 2 Timothy 3.12. We can expect it. Persecution, depression, difficult times. We're not immune to that because we're Christians. And despite what some may tend to be preaching today, the prosperity, the health and wealth gospel, that's not consistent with what we find in the New Testament. God's people struggle. The difference is we respond differently to that struggle because we can put our trust and cast all our cares on God. But with that being said, depression is a real thing that affects Christians and non-Christians alike. Depression is triggered by several different factors. There are biological factors, psychological factors, there are social factors, and even spiritual factors. And so if you're listening today and you're struggling with depression, or you know of someone, you have a loved one, a friend who's struggling with depression, or if you're like me and and you're a minister and you want to be able to uh, relate to the brethren, you want to reach out to people who are struggling, then this podcast is certainly for you. I hope that it will help you in some way, weather the storm of depression. With that being said, there are two audiences that I have in mind uh, with this episode. First, the audience of those who are struggling with depression. But then second, the audience of those who want to help those who are struggling with depression. So please keep that in mind. I'm referring to two audiences, and I'll do my best to keep it clear uh, who I am speaking to as we go through this study. As we go to the Word of God, we find several examples of those who fit the description and the criteria of one who is depressed. And I want to share some of these examples with you. First, we think about Job. We read in Job 2, 11 through 13, that Job's three friends heard of his adversity, all that had come upon him. Knowing from chapter 1, we know that Job was the greatest man in the East. He was perfectly blessed. He was very wealthy. He had children. He had it all going on, we might say, and then he lost it all. He lost his livestock. He lost his children. He even lost the faith of his own wife, who said, curse God and die. And so we find in Job 2, 11 through 13, that Job's three friends come to him, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. They made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. Again, that fits the criteria of depression, doesn't it? The physical toll that it can take on your body. They didn't even recognize Job. Here's one of their friends, someone that they know, someone they've talked to many times, and yet they didn't even recognize him. And it caused them to raise up their voices, and it caused them to weep. They could see the grief was very great for Job. And so Job, you consider all that he lost, certainly meets one who would have been depressed. What about David? Yes, David was a man after God's own heart. Yes, he was a great king. Yes, he was the one who uh, was able to kill Goliath. But David struggled, didn't he? David had a lot of struggles. And I want to share some of these thoughts with you regarding David as one who meets the description of one who is depressed. Psalm chapter 6, verses 2 through 7. 
David says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. Here is the sound of one who is depressed. Notice in Psalm 31, verses 9 and 10. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye wastes away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. That describes someone who is depressed. Notice it's affecting him physically and spiritually. He says, my body and my soul are broken. They're struggling. And so we have Job, the greatest man in the east, the servant of God, who fits the description of being depressed. We have David, a man after God's own heart, who fits the description of being depressed. Another example that comes to mind is Jeremiah. We know Jeremiah to be the weeping prophet. And if you read the book of Lamentations, it is a funeral for the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Then you understand what it means that Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. Certainly one who, who knew what it was like to grieve. Here's Jeremiah 20, verses 7 and 8. He said, O Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded you are stronger than I and have prevailed. Yet I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For when I spoke, I cried out a shout of violence and plunder, because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. Here's someone who fits the bill of social depression. He's going out, he's trying to do what's right, and he's being mocked. He's being uh, in derision daily, as he says. He's made to be a reproach. In that same chapter of Jeremiah 20, notice verses 14 through 18. Jeremiah says, Cursed be the day in which I was born. Let the day not be blessed in which my mother bore me. Let the man be cursed who brought news to my father, saying, A male child has been born to you. We continue on, verse 18. He says, Why did I come forth from the womb to seem labor and sorrow, that my days should be consumed with shame? In other words, why was I even born? Why am I even here? I don't know if that describes you, but maybe you've had the same feeling. You're going through depression. You're going through a difficult time, and you ask, why was I even born? What, what's the point in all this? Having to face each day, not even wanting to get out of bed, not even wanting to face what's going to happen, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, drained, Friends, these are servants of God. These are God's people, God's men. And yet, they had feelings of depression. There's one final example I want to discuss with you before we get to the application, uh, bringing this episode to the two audiences as aforementioned. And that is Elijah. Elijah is one who fits the bill, if you will, of of depression more than any other, in, in my opinion, Looking to the scriptures. We read in 1 Kings chapter 18 how Elijah was involved in this great victory on Mount Carmel. It's one of my favorite accounts in all of scripture. And you remember the prophets of Baal, they come and they, they're trusting in their idol God. And Elijah says, I tell you what, why don't you call on your God and I'll call on mine and we'll see what happens. 
They were cutting themselves. They were yelling out and, and nothing, of course, because Baal was an idol made by men instead of the God who made man, the one true God of Israel, who, of course, Elijah served. And so he kept telling them, well, why don't you keep calling? Call a little bit louder. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he had to excuse himself. And we see this back and forth, and then we see Elijah say, I tell you what, you put these two altars down, and I'm going to soak mine with water. I just want you to keep on soaking it with water. Do it again, do it again, do it again. And he called on to God, and God rained down fire from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and the dust and everything that was around it. And this miracle was so powerful that the people said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. They realized their folly of idolatry, their folly of thinking that this man-made idol could do anything. And so Elijah was engaged in this, this powerful victory. And then you go one chapter over, and we see a man who is depressed. I want you to listen to Elijah. This is in 1 Kings 19. After he heard that Jezebel, the, the wife of Ahab, uh, sent a messenger to Elijah saying, Let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, listen, he rose and ran for his life. He went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. He himself, when a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die, and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Here is a man who just experienced a very powerful victory. And can you think about how he must have felt, the assurance that he had that God was on his side and he shouldn't have to fear a thing? And yet we read just a few more verses. And here he is saying, Lord, let me die. I don't want to be here anymore. And so if that doesn't fit the criteria of one who is depressed, then I don't know what does. Elijah felt all alone. He felt as if no one cared about him. He felt as if life was not worth living. Elijah was depressed. We can learn so much from going to the Word on this topic of depression. And so those thoughts in mind, I want to offer two main thoughts to two specific audiences. Again, the first audience, to those who are struggling with depression. I want to give you four things. Number one, get together with the right kind of people. You know, my mind goes to Judas and Peter. You know, both Judas and Peter denied the Lord. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him three times. What's the difference between Judas and Peter? Peter was assembled with the disciples. Peter went back to the people who loved him and cared about him. What about Judas? Judas went back to the very people who gave him the 30 pieces of silver for, to sell out Jesus. He went to the wrong crowd. He went to the wrong people. And so if you're struggling with depression, please get together with the right kind of people. Don't go to the people who don't really care about you in the end. Go to the people who love you. Go to the people who want to see you succeed. The people who want you to get out of whatever rut you may be in. A second thought, if you're struggling with depression, look for positives. I know that may seem ridiculous, but we have a lot to be thankful for, you know? We have life, we have family, we have friends, we have people who care about us. We're able to enjoy God's creation. 
we're able to experience love and, and all kinds of these wonderful blessings from God. So look for positives. A third thought, if you're struggling with depression, be patient with yourself. Be patient with yourself. You're not going to be able to overcome these feelings overnight. Think about a drug addict. Is he, is he going to be able to overcome this in one night? No. He's got to go through a withdrawal process, a painful process, physically, mentally draining process before he can ever get back to where he needs to be. So if you're struggling with depression, be patient. This is not going to you know, get better overnight. It's going to take time. Be patient with yourself and trust yourself. But then a fourth thought before we move on to our final section here. Find your purpose. Find your purpose. I talked to a brother in Christ not too long ago who has been battling depression for some time. And I said, if you, if you were to talk to someone and try to help them through this, what would you say? And he said, just tell them to find their purpose. Take the focus off of you as, as best as you can and, and put it toward doing something for someone else. Be a servant. Look for opportunities to help other people. Find your purpose. Find your niche. If you're listening to this as a Christian, find your niche in the kingdom. Whether that's calling people, sending them a message in the morning, writing them a card, going to visit them, or just praying for them. The more focus you put on helping others, the more it will help you to find your purpose and weather the storm of depression. Finally, I want to address those who want to help others who may be struggling with depression. I want to go back to 1 Kings 19, the text we learned about Elijah. And again, I want to provide four things here. If you want to help someone who's struggling with depression, feed them physically and feed them spiritually. In 1 Kings 19, verses 5 through 8, we have God doing this for Elijah. It says in verse 5 of 1 Kings 19, As Elijah lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and he ate and he drank, and he went in the strength of that food, forty days and forty nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Think about the implications behind just him being able to enjoy a meal. If you know someone who's struggling with depression, take them something to eat or, or take them out to eat. And that might sustain them like it did Elijah. Maybe not physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually even. It might help them for the next 40 days and 40 nights. Just the fact that you took the time to take them a meal, to make them something, or to take them out to eat and just to listen to them, that might sustain them for a very long time and help them to get through a difficult time. So we can feed them physically and spiritually. Here's another thought. Listen to them. Listen to them. This is what we find in verses 9 and 10. Elijah went into a cave and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. You know, God could have struck him right there at that moment and said, Elijah, no, it's not the case. And he could have gone on to say, you're not by yourself. I'm right here with you. I'm providing this for you. 
But he didn't, did he? You know what God did? God listened to him. And aren't we thankful that we have a Heavenly Father who listens to us, who, who loves us enough to, to care for us, who, who actually says, cast your care on me because I care about you, 1 Peter 5, 7. So we can listen to those who are struggling with depression. Just let them talk. Instead of going to them as if we have all the answers, if we're not going through it, then we don't know how it feels. But we can listen to them, and maybe it'll help them. A third thought, ask what you can do for them. I know this is cliche. I know this is something that, you know, hey, what can I do for you? But sincerely mean that. What can I do for you? Can I, can I come over and help you with, I don't know, yard work? Can I help you to clean? I'll tell you what, when you're feeling down and out and you have a, a, a house that's a wreck, that makes it worse. But you have a clean house, get some natural light in there, man, it, it makes everything so much better. It may be the case that while you're visiting, you say, hey, do you mind if I help you with this, with this room or, or to clean up in here? And that might make a world of difference. So ask what you can do for them physically, but of course spiritually. And certainly be praying for them and let them know that you're praying for them. But finally, if you want to help someone who's struggling with depression, provide encouragement. Let them know that they are not alone. Loneliness is a horrible feeling. Let them know they're not alone. I want you to notice what God did for Elijah. In 1 Kings 19, verses 15 through 18, The Lord said to Elijah, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. Also anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and Zebel, Mealoha, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu will kill. Whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. God gave him something to do, didn't he? To keep him busy, keep him focused, to let him know that, hey, you're important. You have important work to do. You're not by yourself. But listen to this in verse 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. What did God do for Elijah? He reminded him that he was not alone. He said, Elijah, you are not by yourself. And dear friend, if you're listening to this and you're struggling with depression, I want you to know something. You're not alone. You're not alone. You have family members and friends who love you. And ultimately, you have a God who loves you. A God who loves you so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die in your place. That you can have the hope of living forever where you don't ever have to worry about depression again. I know that we went through some of these rather quickly, but I do try to to keep these short enough to where you can listen to them, maybe on your ride home, maybe during a lunch break. I know that we went a little bit longer today, but I genuinely and sincerely care about you because you have a soul, and your soul is worth more than the whole world, and I want to be in heaven with God, and I want you to be there with me. And so I hope that in some way this episode today on depression has helped you. May God bless you as you strive to do His will. Cast all your care upon Him and trust in Him all the way through. Dear friend, I promise you this. He will see you through. Please trust in Him. God bless you.